Hey, I want to welcome you to our New Life Worship Weekend Experience. And so glad you've tuned in to be a part of this. And uh, you know that these, uh, these premiere every Saturday night at 6 p.m. and they're available anytime after that. But I'm glad that you've come to be a part of this. And again, I want to remind you, uh, there are resources down below. You can find out different ways you can connect through our app, different ways you can get note-taking sheets and small group questions, all kinds of things like that, as well as the different ways that you can give your tithes and offerings back to the Lord. So make sure that, uh, that you check that out. Also, don't forget that uh, you'll see the subscribe button. Uh, if you'd like to just hit that, what it'll do is uh, you'll get uh, a notification when we have a new video that comes up, a new worship experience that, that posts. So just make sure to do that and you can be part of our, uh, our network here at New Life and hear all the good things that, uh, that God is doing. Hey, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. So, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are the Gospels that tell the story of Jesus. Uh, then, then you're going to get into Acts and then Romans. And this is a letter that Paul writes to, obviously, a group of people that were in Rome. Uh, and we're going to dive into that in, in just a second. Uh, I also want to uh, just go back just for a second. We've been in this series called Re, which means to come back again. And we have looked at these re-words from Scripture, like remember and repent and remain. And last week we looked at this word to renew. And we talked about renewing that heart and passion for, for Christ and the, and the new work, uh, the renewal that he wants to accomplish in us. If you've missed any of these, look on our YouTube channel and you can go back and you can catch up in this series because there's some powerful stuff that God's inviting us into. And I don't want you to miss that. But this week we're looking at this word rejoice. Rejoice. Now we know the key part of this word is this word joy. And so what does it mean to rejoice? Well, it means to kind of come back again to this place of joy, to have it kind of bubble up again, to have it uh, become fresh again in us. Now, joy is more than just kind of a of just a goofy smile or just like, well, I'm just, I'm just happy. And there's, that's great to be happy. But joy is something more than that. Now, the biblical definition of this original Greek word for rejoice kind of fleshes out this way. It means to be well and to thrive, but it also means in and you may not use this word, but in salutations, hail. It, it's this kind of celebration that takes place, that, that kind of wells from within. Now, Webster's Dictionary defines it this way. To rejoice is to gladden or to experience great delight. Now, that probably hits a little closer home to us that we just go, yeah. And maybe even that part where you say, I think that's missing in my life. I think somehow I've I'm looking to circumstances or situations to, to somehow make me, make me glad or to celebrate or rejoice. But the Bible brings us from a different place. It's not circumstances working themselves in to make my heart and my soul glad. It's that my heart and my soul are living in joy because of what God has done. And that works itself to the outside. So it's an opposite way of coming at it. Well, if you're there in Romans chapter 5, we're going to be there pretty much all of our time uh, looking at some different verses. But I want, to, want you just to look at verse 2. This is the very beginning of this passage. And the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, because of our faith, 
Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and here's this phrase, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So there's this thing of in Christ, we we come to this place where we stand and we confidently and with joy, with rejoicing, we look forward to sharing in God's glory. Now, I want to read you this same passage. It'll be verse one and two from the message translation. And I think there's something so refreshing about this verse. Now, what you're going to find is the word joy and rejoicing isn't even used in here. But the original Greek word for those is, it just gets translated a little bit different. But here's what he writes in the message translation. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, which is what? To set us right with him and to make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master, Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and we discover at the same moment that he he has already thrown his door open to us. And we find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. That shouting our praise is this rejoice. Now, is Paul saying that we we go around all the time with a smile on our face? No. Paul is not telling these Christ followers in Rome just to grin and bear it no matter what you go through. He tells them to rejoice, and that involves something deeper within them and deeper within us. It's not just about slapping a smile on our face. It's not about just, you know, uh, kind of fake it till you make it. It means having a joy that begins at the very depth of our souls. It's standing, as that message translation says, in the wide open spaces of God's grace and shouting our praise and celebrating. So I was thinking about this as I was I was writing, and I I had this little moment of self-realization and, uh, you know, seeing my own heart. And here's the deal. I'm sometimes amazed at my capacity to absolutely normalize and standardize what God has done and what God is doing. To just really look at, at who God is and what he's accomplished and go, yeah, that's great. And, and that's kind of it. Now, it's not because I don't appreciate God or anything like that, but I've just, at times, have this way of just going, well, yeah, I mean, God's great. He created the universe, and he loves me, and that's wonderful. And I forget the overwhelming reality that God is right here, right now. The one who created the universe and spun the planets into orbit. He is right here, right now. And that he is at work in me and he's at work in you. And that he's for us. That he's for us. And that he loves us more than we can imagine. And I'm amazed that I can just normalize that. It's shocking to me how often we sing songs, worship songs with the word rejoice or joy in them and completely miss out on the rejoicing and the joy. I've been thinking of this song uh, that we sing called Graves in the Gardens. If you've never heard it before, uh, go on to Spotify or whatever, and you you can listen to the song. And we we do it in our live worship settings, which 
on a side note, love to have you come and join us Sundays, 9 and 1030. There's something about being together in person that's powerful. So come, come join us. But this song, Graves into Gardens, the, the bridge of this song says this, you turn mourning, like grief, mourning, into dancing, and you give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. And then the song says, you're the only one who can. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into, into armies. You turn seas into highways. And you're the only one who can. And if you stop and you think of those words and you think of the power of that, that that's what God can accomplish. That's the transformation that he can, he can bring. And here's how we, we sometimes approach those songs. You turn mourning to dancing. I mean, I mean we just kind of like, eh, like, what's the big deal? And when we really stop and we think, holy cow, did you just hear those words? Have you come face to face with the reality that the God of the universe is inviting you to come close? It should, it should shake something deep in us. That rejoicing, that celebrating, that uh, shouting our praise should come from a completely different place when we really embrace all that God is and all that he does. Now, I use the word celebration, but the truth is this is so much, so much deeper and so much more than just a celebration. It is our response to God. It is our choice, our choosing that we're going to praise and honor and, and literally hail Jesus we're going to lift him high. That's what we're going to do. I want you to think for, for a moment. Just think of the times in your life when you've celebrated, right? Small things, big things. Your team wins, right? Some game, you're like, yeah, you're just celebrating. Or when you graduate, right? Throwing that cap into the air, high-fiving your friends, whatever it might be, you're celebrating that graduation. A wedding reception. And we eat and we, we dance and we smile and we have fun and we celebrate this, this wedding, this uniting of, of uh, a bride and a groom together. And it's just, oh, it, it's great. New Year's Eve, right? Celebrate. Happy New Year. For some of you who've been in CR or AA getting your one year chip or your one week chip, I mean, that's, it's a celebration the birth of a child, passing a tough test. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we celebrate. But my guess is that all of us know the difference between the woo-woo cheering kind of celebration, our team won, happy new year, and the deeper rejoicing of things that truly matter, right? You may not even cheer out loud, but there's this deeper sense of joy, of praise, of satisfaction that isn't coming because the circumstances are great or because, wow, this is a milestone. It's coming from within you and working itself out. Now, the truth is, both of those avenues of celebration are appropriate. They're good. I would even say they're necessary at times. But there's something about rejoicing that's welling up from within that gets to the very core of who we are. But how does it get there? How do we get there? So we're going to look at this passage from Romans, Romans chapter 5. 
And we're going to see these three key areas of rejoicing. The first is this. I rejoice because I have a future hope. I rejoice because I have a future hope. So we're thinking, well, how does all this come from within? It starts by us knowing that there is something beyond just the here and now. So I want you to look at Romans 5, verse 1 and 2. Again, I know this is, we've already read this, but I want you to hear it one more time. Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by, if, by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and we joyfully, here's what we do, look forward to sharing God's glory. We look forward because of what he's already done. We can rejoice because there's something more coming. You know, when you, when you read uh, your newsfeed uh, at home or a newspaper or however you get your information or you go on social media, you're going to find it challenging to see the truth that Paul is giving us here. Because when we start sifting through the messages of our culture, you'll find that the message that we often get, what generally comes to us, maybe not uh, outright, it's often implied by things, but it's this. Happiness or joy is because of something that's happening to you now or something that you possess in this moment. That's where happiness and joy comes from. That, that's what our culture is telling us. And that's one reason why companies spend so much time and so much money on advertising to you and me. To try just to get us to, to think about what we need to have, because if we just had that thing, then, then life would be good. If we just had that experience, then, then we'd be happy. If, if just this went our way, then, you know, whether it's a, a product that we use, then we would look different or feel, you know, whatever it might be. But if we had those things, then we would truly be happy. We would truly experience joy. So think about it when you're at home. Let, let, let's, say, let's say your vacuum cleaner is not working right. And so you start talking about it, you know, with a friend or your spouse or, you know, whoever in your family. And you start going, ah, oh, this vacuum cleaner, we've been trying to get it. It just isn't cleaning right. And you're just frustrated with the vacuum cleaner. And doesn't this happen? The next time you open Google, the next time you go to Facebook or Instagram, there are ads there for vacuum cleaners, right? It is freaky. Like, are they listening to me? And the truth is, yes, they are. Actually, I don't know, but it's weird when you open those things up and it's like, we were just talking about that. Now, the truth is, is that company or that whatever it might be, that firm, they're trying to sell you a product or an experience. They're trying to push something your way. And sometimes you're the product that they're selling. But, but what's the message that they're giving? You've been talking about it. You're unhappy or you have a need or a want and if you could just get it, things would be better. If you could just have that vacuum cleaner that works. If you could maybe even have a vacuum cleaner that runs around and vacuums on its own, then you'd be happy. Then you could rejoice. You realize this is the great dream of the lottery, right? If only I could do that. If only that would happen. If only there's just a slight chance that I could walk home with 
a million dollars or $10 million or when Lotto gets up to $200 million and people go crazy because, man, if I could just get that, I'd be so much happier. That's why we watch HGTV, right? Man, if I could just have Chip and Joanna or Ben and Aaron or, or whoever you like, if they could just come and do that to my house or my apartment or my condo, man, we'd be happy forever. Well, Paul goes really swimming against the tide. He pushes back on this theory. And when he says that we can rejoice, not because of what happens to us now or what we can possess or what experience we might have, but because we have a future hope in Christ. That's why we can rejoice. And the things that Paul lists in these first two verses of chapter five are all the things that Christ has accomplished for us. And they are not things that we can buy. They're not things that we can win. And they're not things that we can build. And they're not something that we can achieve. It's simply an invitation to receive from Jesus. And having received those things through all that Christ has done, we can celebrate. We can rejoice. We can, we can experience something so much more than just this moment because he's given us a future hope. The second thing is this. I can rejoice in struggles and suffering. Now, if you have any doubts about how much faith and obedience and to some extent how much craziness is needed to follow after Jesus, we go back and look at the Apostle Paul's life because he went through the ringer. And there are passages, and we're not going to read, but where he was shipwrecked and he was beaten and all these things. And it took so much on his part, this, this faith that was just unshakable. And you think, man, how, how, how does that even work to go through all that? And yet Paul is going to tell us, and we're going to read here in verses 3 through 5 of Romans 5, where he says that we can still rejoice in this. Look what he says in verse 3. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. Now listen to this process. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Now, let me give you a little context because Paul is writing this in about 57 AD, 58 AD, somewhere in that range. And the Roman emperor at that time was a man named Nero. And you've probably heard that name before from, from history. And he was one of the great persecutors of those uh, who had chosen to follow Christ. Uh, they were called followers of the way. And he would persecute them and he would perpetrate all kinds of horrific things against them. And you can even Google, what, what did Nero do, uh, do to Christians during that time? And I mean, there are crazy things where he would use them for entertainment and they would be put into, you know, the arena with lions and wild animals. And so many of them lost their lives because of their profession of faith in Christ. He would also... <laughs> He would also tie some of them uh, in his garden and when he had guests there, would literally light them on fire. And these Christians who were dying by burning became the, the torches for the evening. I mean, sick 
and twisted and evil. So understand that the Roman Christians that Paul is writing to, they've seen these things. They maybe have had friends or family members lose their lives because of their faith. I mean, this is, this is more than we can imagine. And I know in our world today, we see a lot of things going on. Christians are persecuted, and I'm not making light of that by, in any stretch. And many Christians today are still losing their lives around the world because of their profession of faith, standing true for Christ. <clears throat> but what these early Christians had to go through under Nero's leadership was horrific. And this is who Paul is writing to. So imagine them hearing these words, like we also can rejoice in our sufferings and them going, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. Paul, what are you saying? Like in the midst of all these horrific things being done, that we can, we can rejoice? Like that's insane. Like it's breaking our hearts. It's, it's causing us sometimes to even wonder, like how in the world can we rejoice in this? See, it's touching something so deep. And I know we face our struggles and our trials, and we're going to look at that in just a second. But understand the people he's writing to, this is no lightweight thing. This is deep. And he's saying, there's something that you can choose that wells up within you that's in spite of your circumstance. It's not coming because things are good or things are bad. It's coming because of who Christ is and what he's done in you. So let me tell you this, for us, 2021, if you're a Christ follower and everything is going well for you, it can be pretty easy to rejoice, right? Everything's good. Don't seem to have any major problems. Don't seem to have any major issues. Yeah, some little minor stuff, but nothing too big. And can I tell you, I think that's where it gets really dangerous for us because we're start, we start thinking that we're good and God's blessing us because we're good. That's what success is, right? Things are going well. I'm making all the right choices and the right decisions and things are falling my way. So I must have it all on track. And so God's blessing me. And we think that because we're so faithful and we're so diligent and we jump through whatever religious hoop there might be, that we kind of deserve this. Now, we wouldn't say that, but somewhere deep down, we may even think we've earned this or even more, like we're owed this. And that's where it gets dangerous. Because what happens if you suddenly find that you have a serious health issue or you lose a loved one or a close friend or your COVID test comes back positive or you're facing a job loss or you're facing a decision on your job that might cause you to lose it or there's a relationship breakdown or if you're part of our Celebrate Recovery, it's a hurt, habit, or hang-up that keeps getting the best of you. How do you rejoice in those situations? How does it come from within there? I was reading an, uh, an article by uh, his author and pastor. His name is Ray Stedman. Um, and this is from years ago. But he shared a story in uh, one of his writings on this passage in Romans. And here's, here's what he wrote. He said, here's where many people balk. They say, I don't buy that. 
Do you mean to say that God is telling me that when I'm hurting and I'm in pain, when I'm going through mental and physical torment, that I'm expected to be glad and happy and rejoice in that? And he writes, what kind of a nut is this Paul anyway? It's not human. It's not natural. And then he goes on to write this. He said, there are so many who feel this way. And I think we could all easily reflect the attitude of a lady whose pastor went to see her when she was going through trouble. And she kept complaining and kept griping about it. And he stopped her and said, I don't think you should talk that way because Christians shouldn't do that. By the way, that's not true. But in the, that's what he was writing. And it says, she was very upset. And she goes, well, I don't understand, pastor. I think that when God sends us tribulation, he expects us to tribulate a little bit. Now, there's no word like, tribulate. But isn't that what we do when we face struggles or trouble or suffering or loss or pain? We forget about rejoicing in Jesus and we start tribulating about our circumstances. Now it's perfectly natural for us to do that because circumstances can be hard. But Paul is inviting us back to say this, I know your circumstances can be tough. God knows He's not saying just to smile in spite of it. He's not saying that whatever happens, it's, it's good. It's all right. Hey, there's no problem with it. It's just that there's something deeper that Christ is doing in us, even in the midst of our troubles. Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians 1. He says, so you received this message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. Peter wrote this. He said, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to the world. James said almost exactly the same thing. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, I want to remind you that this doesn't mean that when suffering comes to us, and it will, that we just have to paste a smile on our face. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that I lost my job. Thank you that I just discovered that I have cancer. Lord, I'm so excited that this has happened. That's not what God's looking for in that. His heart breaks with yours in those situations. He's not calling us to live in denial. He's not calling us to be masochists. Rejoicing in suffering means that we recognize that in spite of all of the circumstances, we have a God who loves us, who gave his son for us. And rejoicing in suffering means that we're allowed to share in a small, small way, to share in the sufferings that Christ went through for us. It means that we, we get to be part of what he experienced on our behalf. It means that we recognize that in the midst of that suffering, in the midst of the pain, while we may not immediately see the, the purpose or, or like what's behind it or, or what was this all about, we realize that in that suffering, God uses it to shape us and mold us to be more like Christ. So this is going to be a really poor example, but I, maybe it'll shed some light on this. When you want to get in shape, I don't want to burst your bubble, but it hurts. It's hard. And, and I'm sorry to burst your, you know, get in shape without trying ads that come across your social media, the lose weight but eat anything you want kind of thing. It doesn't work that way. There's literally some suffering that goes on. But that suffering takes you to a different place, right? It accomplishes something 
deeper in you. Here's another example, playing the guitar. You think that would be so cool just to be able to play. You watch worship team, you watch people on TV. It's like, that would be so cool. But can I tell you this? Do you know when you start playing, you start learning chords and practicing, your fingertips may actually bleed. Like no lie, no joke. I mean, they might not, but there's a good probability that they will. In fact, go up to a guitar player sometime and ask them, can I feel the tips of your fingers? Okay, maybe don't do that because that's kind of creepy and weird. But I will tell you that on their fingers, they have calluses from playing and playing and playing and practicing and practicing and practicing because it's hard and it hurts for a while. But on the other side of that pain and suffering is the joy and freedom and satisfaction of playing an instrument. We're called to rejoice in our trials and our problems, not because of the suffering itself, but because we have a good, good father who allows us to go through this for a deeper purpose. The last thing is this. I can rejoice because I'm a friend of Jesus. Look at verse 11 in Romans 5. It says, so now we can rejoice in the wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Now, through this fifth chapter in Romans, Paul is writing about how Christ died for us. In fact, he says, while we were still sinners, Christ went to the cross for us. He then moves on to the way that we have been justified by his sacrifice and how we're saved from God's wrath because of this work he did for us. He then gives us this key to rejoicing and he moves straight into describing this original sin and how spiritual and physical death came to the world through this first Adam, you know, Adam and Eve and his failure and his sin. But life came to the world through the second Adam, Jesus Christ. And he he writes about all of that. And what he says is, despite all that we have done, despite the fact that we are sinners before a holy God, we can rejoice because this good father has given us the gift of life through his son, Jesus. And we, we get to be friends with him. Man, how could we ever lose the thrill of that reality? Now, maybe, maybe you've never known that thrill. I want you to listen to here how Paul brings this together in Romans 5, 17 and 18. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness, that's his work on the cross, brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. We can celebrate. We can raise the roof. We can quietly sense something welling up deep within us. It's joy, true joy, because we have hope for tomorrow. We have God's presence and purpose in the midst of our pain and suffering. And we have the invitation to be made new and washed clean and become a friend of Jesus. And that should be enough to make us rejoice for the rest of our lives. Would you bow your heads with me? I know you may be at home watching this on TV and it seems weird to close your eyes, but I'm going to ask you to do it. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes for a moment because maybe you've never experienced the thrill, the power, the the deep work that happens when we come to Jesus Christ. And you can take that step to say, Jesus, (laughs) I've messed up. 
but I ask you to forgive my sin, to wash me clean, to make me new. I'm choosing to follow you. You can pray just what I prayed right there. So simple. And all you're doing in that is you're, you're giving up being your own God and you're choosing Jesus to be the one who forgives, the one who, who leads you, and the one who will be the, the Lord of your life. That's the step you can take to rejoice in being a friend of Jesus. Pray with me. Father, we just love you today because you've got us and you're for us. And Lord, I pray if anything just keeps us normalizing that and standardizing that and just kind of yawning over it, I pray, Lord, that you would wake us up. You'd, you'd let us see the power of your presence and your love for us. And it would change how we respond and what we do and what we say that we truly would rejoice because you are good and you're for us. So we thank you for this time we've had together. Lord, for each person watching and listening, surround them, care for them, and lead them closer to your heart. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer to ask Christ to be the Lord of your life, that you're making a choice to follow him, I want to encourage you to text the word decision to 30500. You'll see it on the screen below here. We want to send you back a quick text give you some resources, help you take that next step in following Jesus. Because I'll tell you, it's the journey of a life and it will turn whatever you're facing into joy. Hey, thanks for joining us for this, uh, this online experience. I hope that you've sensed God's presence and that you lean into him. Have a great one.